of the Playing to Win series. Uh, welcome, guys. We're live. Episode number 10 of the Playing to Win series. I'm joined today by Caleb Jones from the Black Dragon blog. How are you doing, Caleb? How are you? You're my favorite red pill guy. Howdy, dear. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, let's see here. Oh, I'm having problems broadcasting on some of the Facebook pages. Um, we're using StreamYard. For those of you guys that are watching on Facebook pages or Periscope or something, head over to YouTube and watch over there. It'll just... Uh, work a lot easier for us. Give me one second here. Getting some feedback here on one of these pages. There we go. All right. So um, I haven't familiarized you with this uh, sequence, Caleb. So in life as men, we, um, we often play in two different sequences. We either play to win or we play not to lose. You'll notice younger guys will play to win because those sound similar, but they're very different. Yes. Right. And concept and an execution as well. You know, playing to win is basically when I when I first started my uh, debt business, when I took a package and I went home, like I was hardcore in this thing, balls deep, seven days a week on it, two, four, seven, always working. Um, you know, there was times where I was putting away, you know, a good 80, $85,000 in profit monthly. Like it was a it was a hardcore time for me and it was a playing to win episode. And then there's a time where you've done it, you've established, you know, your foothold, the foundation of your multi-story building has been laid and you're, and you're building these floors. You've got these multiple sources of revenue coming in and everything's working. And then you kind of like tone back and you play a little bit more not to lose. Either one of those things is good. I'm curious. You're, you're around the same age as me, I think. You're probably a little bit older, but you look younger. Uh, I'm 48. I'm just yeah. about to turn 48 next month. Yeah, so I'm 46 this year. So what is your approach to life right now? Do you play to win or do you play not to lose? So, boy, that is a good question. It's been mostly play to win um, in the last, how three years, three, four years. My income has gone way up and uh, actually higher than I ever plan on it going, which is a nice problem to have. And so when I hit that point, I started saying, uh-oh, I started getting into don't lose. So I started getting into conservation mode and saying, okay, I better not invest in anything dangerous. I better not try anything dangerous because I don't want to lose all this money. And then I realized last year through guys that I work with, guys who I respect, my mentors, and then, you know, random guys on YouTube, like um, crazy guys like Grant Cardone, things like that. They're talking about how, you know, when you get to a certain point in life, you just said it, you get a certain amount of money or a certain amount of success and you start worrying about losing it. Mm -hmm. And I realized I started, I realized that I was guilty of that last summer. And so last summer I made some big decisions on whether or not I want to keep doing that or do I want to play to win again? And so I made some decisions to go ahead and play to win. So actually at this point now, I've actually done, I've never done this in my life. I've dug into my net worth to actually build my companies, which I've never done before. Mm -hmm. So the last few months, I spent a lot of money, like a scary amount of money. You know, it's good, mm -hmm. it's working, and I'm excited, but it's scary. And matter of fact, a mentor of mine last year told me, he said, um, I was talking about how I want to grow my business. He said, are you scared? And I said, no, not scared at all. He's like, well, then you're not growing. Who Wait, are your mentors? Who do you who do you look up to? So there is a program called Strategic Coach. It's for high income entrepreneurs. Right. I think the the minimum I think to get in that program is 250,000 a year. And there's another level at 500,000 a year. And so that is something I started last year because things were going out of control. I needed help. I didn't want to do this all in my Toronto own. still, or did he move down south? He's still in Toronto. So he does uh, LA, Chicago, New York. He's in about five different cities now. What's his name again? I can't remember it. Dan, see the guy, the Dan head guy Sullivan, is Dan right? Sullivan. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dan Sullivan and Joe Polish has, has pushed him a lot yes, too. He has. Yes. And I've never met Dan. It's other guys who work with Dan. 
Okay, so we've got his coach leaders that run that, that yeah. kind of execute the program for him. And these coach leaders are guys who who are the kind of guys I like. The guys I look up to are guys in their 70s mm-hmm. who make millions of dollars a year who don't need to work but work because they like it. Those are my mentors. Yeah. They're all I don't have a single mentor under the age of 70 these days. So yeah, yeah. They're, and they're exactly in that category. It's great. Yeah, I, I always I always have these like warning bells and these alarm bells going off in my head when I see these younger guys on social media, like sub 30 guys that are yeah. going on about how you buy their program and they'll teach you how to make loads of bank. Don't listen to this guy or that guy. I know everything, but I'm 23 years old. It's like, I just think to myself, dude, you don't, you don't know anything. <laughs> you could, and you, if you're careful and sometimes you're not careful, but if you're careful, some of those guys can work. If you are very good at filtering the bullshit and filtering the things that don't apply to your life. So I'm big on alpha 2.0. So every time mm-hmm. I get any information, I have to filter it through that filter. Does this apply to what I'm doing or not? Even if it's a good idea. What does that filter look like for you? Because I mean, you've designed this entire alpha 2.0 lifestyle. You've written a book on it. I mean, we'll dive into the whole thing in this broadcast, but I just kind of want to ease into it. But sure. what does that filter look like for you? It has to be location independent. So any income I have, no matter any investment I have must be location independent. If I have to physically be in a place all the time, I can't do it. I don't care if you mm-hmm. pay me a million dollars a month. I can't do it. I won't do it. You're not going to drive down the street to the storefront, unlock the door, the brick and mortar, turn on the I lights, will not and, do that. and power I will up not the do that. The worst case scenario is that I could buy a company and manage it from afar, which I'm mm-hmm. looking at doing. I could. Why do is that. that bad? Why is that bad? Why I do you know why it's bad? But yeah, tell people. Oh, why is that bad? Yeah. If you are rooted to the city in which you live in order to pay your bills or make your money, you are not free. And that may or may not matter to you, but I teach a maximum freedom lifestyle, a freedom focused lifestyle for men. So every aspect of that lifestyle has to be conducive to long-term freedom. So if you are stuck in that city, even if you like your job or like your city, it's not relevant. If you're stuck there, you're not free. You should have the freedom to go anywhere you want, travel whenever you want, visit wherever you want, move wherever you want, stay there for as long as you want, and the income should not stop or even or even go down a little bit. Matter of fact, often when I'm out of town for a month or two, my income goes up. What are the risks associated to tying yourself down to that one location? The biggest ones are, well, there's two big ones. The two big ones, these are all long-term risks. This is probably because they happen next year. Long-term risks are things like, and, and this is my my favorite example. These guys who live in Florida, where do you live? You don't live in Florida. I live in Toronto. You live in Toronto, right. Yeah. So these guys live in Florida and they like Florida, but every two years their house gets blown down by a hurricane or they or they panic about these hurricanes. Like what the, f- I mean, Florida's beautiful, but why would I live there? Because guys who live in um um, I, my ex-wife from a billion years ago was from Nebraska and they had to keep their radios on 24 seven all the time because there were so many tornadoes. And if you didn't keep your radio on, the tornado could wipe out your house. And that was just the nature of living in that area. Why the fuck would you do? So right. natural disasters, things like that. That's the big one. The second one is economic problems and political unrest. And that includes the Western world. I, my opinion, my strong opinion, I have a lot of data to back this up is that in our lifetimes, we're going to see the collapse when I say collapse, I don't mean Mad Max, but but a very a negative transformation of the Western world, Canada, United States, Western Europe in particular. And so if you're stuck in an area where economically it used to be great and now it sucks, again, you're not free. You're risking it. And and that doesn't matter if you love. I get a lot of guys, well, I love where I live. Great. That's fine. You can love where you live. Don't you want the freedom to leave whenever you want? And then they'll say things like another excuse is, well, I have family here. Okay, that's fine. I got news for you. Your parents are going to die someday. They're going to die. They're not going to mm. be around forever. Your kids are going to grow up and leave someday. They may they may actually leave your city. Well, then what? You're not thinking long-term. I try to teach long-term models 
models that don't just work in your 20s or early 30s, but work in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, up, up to your 70s. Mm. And so I try to adopt long-term models where once a model is in place, I don't have to worry about it for the rest of my life. And if you are location dependent, you love where you live, great, stay there. But be location dependent while you stay there. Have the option. Yeah. yeah. We've had a, We've had a couple a of conversations on um, uh, my private forum about this uh, guy called, called uh, I'm getting feedback somewhere. Where's that coming from? That might be my metal cup. Sorry. That's oh, okay. probably me. No, it's definitely getting picked up on your end. Do you have headphones, by the way? Because that'll because that'll solve the feedback. That's probably you know what. Hang on a sec. My headphones had a problem the other day. Let me hang okay. I should have I should have double checked that before That's we right. hopped on. Go ahead and keep talking while I'm doing this. Yeah, uh, Nomad Capitalist. Have you heard of him? Because yes, I actually is, work with him now. Andrew Henderson. Yeah, because he I talked about going to where you're treated well. Yes. Have you have you found that to be true in your travels as you kind of move around in your business transactions? My headphones are going to be a problem. How's the feedback now? It's gone. Great. Cool. It's gone on my end anyway. So okay, it should be. I turned my volume way down. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Your question was, what is my opinion on that? Yeah, what's or, your opinion of living and going places where you're treated well? 100% I'm doing that myself next year. Mm -hmm. So I've been working on a plan last six, seven years of permanently leaving the United States. I will still spend a lot of time in the United States because, again, I have family and friends here mm -hmm. and business interest here. But as of 2021, I will be moving to another country. I can't. My attorneys won't let me t say publicly what that country is until mm -hmm. I move there. It was New Zealand. It's not now. It's something else. So next year I can tell everybody, but I'll be moving to that country. I'll be spending about five to six months a year there. Um, I'll be spending about three months a year in the United States. And then the rest of time I'll be traveling abroad, which is what I do now. Mm -hmm. So correct. When you have location independent income, you then have the ability to go where you are treated best. If you just have a corporate job or the traditional brick and mortar type business, and even there are seats in some online type of businesses where they're location, location dependent to a degree, mm -hmm. you don't even have the option which is another reason why location-dependent income is so important. You don't have the choice. So yes, I believe in that 100%. I follow a system called Five Flags, which, is get, which gets complicated. I can explain if you want. Mm -hmm. But it's where you break out your financial life into several different countries, which is complicated. But by doing that, you maximize your freedom, you maximize your mobility, and you reduce your taxes legally down to a single-digit percent, even if you're in America, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so what do you do with your footprint in the US? Because I think you live in the Pacific Northwest, right? Yes. Yeah. I live between Portland and Seattle. And your kids are all grown up? Yeah. My youngest so, is 21. Real estate, you sell it uh, and you rent when you come back to the States or what's the plan? Uh, I'm going to purchase some real estate. I have to do it a certain way to be tax compliant with what I'm doing. Right now, I own no real estate by choice. Mm. I don't want any. I haven't wanted to own any. Um, I'm kind of forced to in this weird way later this year. So yeah, I'm going to be getting real estate in the United States real estate in Colombia and probably real estate in Thailand, Thailand mm -hmm. or, or Cambodia and late, late this year, early next. This is, um, this is a bit of feedback. A lot of people usually make when they hear your name. Um, but I mean, you just get <laughs> criticized at the same time too. What do people usually criticize you for? My big criticism are the non-monogamous stuff that I talk about my non-monogamous relationship models. And when I talk about, uh, unusual relationships, so I'm married, but I have an open marriage. Number one. Number two, there is a financial, logistical, legal, international barrier between my money and her money. So if God forbid there's a divorce, which mm. I hope there isn't, it's someone I love very much. I'd love to spend the rest of my life with this person. But if there is, I'm covered. I don't lose a single penny. I think I pay $240 in legal fees and the divorce is done. Kind of mm. nice. Um, let's see. This, that's probably the, my biggest criticism. I don't get that as much as I thought I would get it originally. I, I was shocked I don't get it more often. Where do you get that from? Like the Bible bros? Or... What's that? 
Where do you get that from normally? Does that come from the Bible bros or the more triathlon yes. guys? Yeah. Yes, Bible bros or women over 30. Makes sense. Women seeking the next husband or, you know, or these very highly educated, very intelligent women who I like, hmm. who are like go to Harvard and stuff like that and are looking for the the high income beta male husband to marry and, and you know, so yeah. it's mostly those two categories. Yes. Well, you're, yeah. you create a risk factor for them because you, because you spread some stories that they don't want. Huge risk factor. They hate my stuff. Yeah. Now there are a lot of women, not a lot of women. There's a percentage of women who like my stuff, which I'm yeah. surprised at. But yes, there's some women, and it's a certain type of women, not all women. Most women read my stuff, or when you say long-term monogamy doesn't work, they just they don't say it. They don't they don't say anything yes or no. <clears throat> they don't deny it. They don't fight it, but they don't agree with it because they just don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I, that's kind of the new thing now. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, what I've talked about before is, and if I'm getting off topic, you let me know. Okay. Um, years ago, when I started doing these things, I had to convince women. To, to have a non-monogamous relationship. with me. I, there was work involved in trying to convince a woman to go along with this. Today, you don't have to convince them largely, if, especially if they're younger, if they're, even if they're older and they say, oh, I would never do that. All I have to say, and all you can, all you can, this, you can steal this advice. You can say, look, every boyfriend you've ever had has cheated on you, right? And they go. Well, no, Caleb, there was two that didn't. <laughs> So you get, sometimes you get one woman that says there was one that didn't. Yeah. And then you ask him some, you ask her some questions and you find out he actually kind of did. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. But yeah. most of the time it's, it's, they can't come up with a guy they've dated or been married to who didn't cheat. I'm like, well, there you go. Matter of fact, my wife now, I said that to her many years ago. Every, every boyfriend you've ever had has cheated on you, right? And she's like, yeah. and she's not the only one to react that way. Mm -hmm. So in other words, it's very hard. Monogamy has gotten so bad. It's hard to defend it now. Even the Bible guys have trouble defending this stuff. It's, it's, they, you could, you could tell the emotional angst they're going through by saying, no, no, if you find a virgin who's 22, who lives in India, it'll work perfectly. You know, that kind of stuff. You get all the exceptions. Yeah. yeah I did a broadcast yesterday on monogamy and, um, I'm going to do a follow-up to it next week with Conk. He's in the chat right now, but um, he, but he's a prior pastor. He used to do sermons and all that. And I asked him one time in one of our private uh, Q&A sessions, what does the Bible say about monogamy? And he said, well, in actuality, there's nothing in there that encourages it. There's, there's nothing in any scripture that I've found. It's, it's just manufactured today. That but, was something the Christians added on later. And I come from a Christian background. Yeah. I was raised Catholic. My mom was a nun. I've been to church thousands of times. I've read most of the Bible. That was something Christians added later. Yeah, uh, we'll 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 save that for next uh, Monday. Right. So yeah. Conk and I are planning to do that Monday afternoon sometime. So he's actually right there in the chat. So let's so let's look forward to that. And there's um, nothing inherently wrong with monogamy as long as you understand it is a short term model. Yeah. If you completely understand, and most men don't, including men who are alpha males, players, confident guys. If you understand that it is a short-term model that's going to blow up in your face later, or she's going to leave later, and she's going to leave not when you plan on her leaving, but when she wants to leave, and you're perfectly cool with that, then go ahead. Most There's, guys watching this, most guys <laughs> in the world are not cool with that. So I think in your book, you described so. two different models. You, ha you have alpha male 1.0 and alpha male yeah. 2.0, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Was there well, a, there's three models. There's beta male, beta, okay. alpha 1.0, and alpha 2.0. Okay. So right. why don't you describe that kind of, you know, because we've kind of moved into that topic now. So describe sure. the three different models that you're familiar with. So most men in the modern era today are beta males. And beta males is a range. It's not just if you're a beta, you're a pussy. That's not how it works. It's a little more complicated than that. There are, there are beta males who are reasonably confident, and there are complete and total pussy beta males, and it's a scale. 
That's my rough estimate based on the data that I've looked at is around 70% or so of men fall somewhere into that category. Sounds the beta right. male, there's two qualities. There's confidence and outcome independence. So confidence, everyone knows what that is. Outcome independence means you don't give a shit. You don't care what people say. You don't care what people do. If you go out on a date with a beautiful woman who's a 10, you don't give a shit if she likes you or not, which makes you instantly more attractive. And it makes you happier because now you don't care what happens in terms of that one scenario. So the beta male is not confident and outcome dependent. He is not outcome independent. So he is he doesn't have a lot of confidence in his own skills and abilities. He's scared. He spends his life being run by other people. His boss, his job, his girlfriend, his mom, blah, blah, blah. His culture in many cases, his politics in some cases, that's how he's run. It runs mm -hmm. him. He is also very uh, location, excuse me, outcome dependent. So he really, really cares. So when a beta male goes on a date with a girl, even if she's kind of pretty, maybe a seven, he is so excited. Oh, I want this to work. I can't wait. Oh, man, I, I hope I don't screw this up, which drives his attraction down, and he wonders why he doesn't get laid. So that's the beta male. So then the next level, and these are not good or bad. These are just different types of guys, because if you're a self-aware beta male, then fine, be a beta. If you choose yeah, they're placeholders. Correct. Um, let's see. Alpha male 1.0 is a confident guy. Alpha 1.0 is the typical model that we think of when we think of alpha male. The tough guy, the confident guy, the successful guy, the business owner. You know, he may be physically tough or not. It depends. Um, he is confident, but he is not outcome independent. So he's very confident. He's very strong. He has a lot of skill. He's a leader, but he really, really gives a shit about what other people do or say in his presence or what society does. So if the correct person gets elected president, he's happy. If the incorrect person wins, he's fucking pissed. If his girlfriend talks back to him, he's furious. He runs his girlfriend's life. He checks her phone because he wants to know what she, what the fuck she's doing. And so Alpha male 1.0s are happy most of the time, but they go through these dips where they have arguments, problems, drama, chaos, and it lasts briefly, and then they go back to being happy. Whereas a beta male is pretty much on a scale of 1 to 10, if you can think of a graph, he's probably always at a 5 in terms mm -hmm. of happiness. The alpha male 1.0 is probably 8, 9, 10, but he drops to 1 or 2 all the time boom, 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 because he is so outcome dependent. So the alpha male 2.0 is just like the alpha male 1.0, except he's outcome independent. He doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit what a woman does. So he dates all the women he wants and he doesn't care. He doesn't care about necessarily what happens with politics or the economy because he's developed his own Alpha 2.0 business structure that is separate from those things. So even if the economy crashes or his country does something stupid, he doesn't mind because the income keeps coming in. He lives a five flags life or something similar to that. He doesn't care, which means he's happy. So he's able to sustain a very high level of happiness long term because he's released this need to control other people. You have an entire course built around the Alpha 2.0 business lifestyle, yeah? Yes, yes. So there's an we'll Alpha 2.0. We'll talk about that more, more towards the end, but yeah. Okay, yeah. Carry on, go. And so let me ask you this question because there's a book that I dove into a few months ago. Uh, it's called Alpha God by Hector Garcia, Dr. Hector Garcia. Have you read I haven't it? heard that. Is that new? I don't know how long it's been out. Um, I, I think it's that. relatively new, but I think okay. it's worth checking out because by your definition, as you kind of climb up the tree from beta alpha 1.0 to 2.0, the alpha God is essentially a 3.0 version of your, of your 2.0 description. Um, because what he does is he kind of dives into the historical relevance of really high value, high status men. Mm -hmm. um, like guys that would run a harem of women. And I'm not talking about three or four. I'm talking about, several hundred or even thousands Woo! guarded Retired. by eunuchs, guarded by eunuchs, 
which were designed to make sure that nobody else could gain access to them. And they yes. had exclusive rights to them only and could do whatever they want. The historical um, alpha male. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a really interesting um, read here. Conk just threw a, a comment in there. I'll just throw it up for you. But um, it's basically kind of going through the historical biblical stories. Um, some are mythological. Some are based on, you know, um, religious uh, bits and pieces. But it's a really, really interesting read and dive through that. The guy kind of writes it from a male feminist perspective. You can pick up more on it towards the end. But the way that he dives into the stories and uh, collects all the data and presents it, it's it's a really interesting piece there to, to definitely check out for guys. Let me ask you this question. Um, outcome independence. How does a guy achieve that? That's something that I've had asked a few times that I've had to address. I want to hear what your definition of that is. It's hard and every personality is different. So if you have a naturally more outcome dependent personality, you're going to, have to work harder. I have never been, I've never had an extremely outcome dependent personality to begin with, even back when I was a beta male, because I was a beta male for most of my adult life. Mm. I had to make that transition um, 12, 13 years ago. Mm. Here's the technique, and it's easier said than done, but this is how you do it. When you start to give a shit, you stop and you pause, which is big, because usually when you start to give a shit, you start getting mad. When the amygdala takes over, you're not able of, of rational thought anymore. Our brain is functioned, our brain forms from the back forward, and the frontal part of your brain shuts down when you're angry or pissed mm. off. So when, as soon as you start getting angry, you stop and take a deep breath and stop. And again, the bigger temper you have, the harder this will be. But you stop, you take a deep breath, and you ask yourself, why do I care? So uh, think of a random example. You're on a date with your girlfriend or your MLTR or whatever it is, and she's three minutes late. And you're at the coffee shop, and she's three minutes late, and you're fucking pissed because she's disrespecting me. You stop. Why do I care? She's three minutes late. And your brain might say, because she's disrespecting me. Okay, so then the next question is, why do I care about that? She's disrespecting me. Do I care? Why do you care that she's disrespecting you by being three minutes late? And your brain will give you another answer. Maybe, maybe not. And you keep asking, why do I care about that? Why do I care about that? Why do I care about that? And finally, if you do this correctly, the final answer will be something that your conscious brain goes, well, I don't give a shit about that. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Who gives a shit? That's you, that's the technique. You had your awakening, I think, if I remember when you were married, right? Y yes, that's like when I started, correct. From the beta to alpha. So what yes, was the trigger? Yes, that's when I realized was something was wrong. Yeah, yeah, so what was the trigger for you? Like what Like what all happened at that time? Um, let's see. So I'm 48 now. I mean, I'm technically not 40. I'll be 48 next month. But I was 30, 32, 33. Mm -hmm. I was, a, I was a successful beta. So I had a small business. I had four employees. I had a traditional monogamous wife. I had two kids. I had the alpha male 1.0 picture of perfection, the traditional monogamous marriage with the attractive wife and two kids. And she was a stay-at-home mom. And I had all that. And I was very unhappy. And so one day I went out to the park, took my laptop. This is a Brian Tracy technique. It's called zero-based thinking. And I put up a blank Word document. And I wrote out my perfect life as if I was starting over from zero. So the first step is you delete everything in your life. I have no wife. I have no kids. I have no business. You can't say I have no kids. Well, wait a second. You add them back in a second. But right now you have nothing. You have no money. You have uh, you start as you are right now at this age, starting from zero. Then if my life was perfect in every respect in three to five years, how would it look? And I wrote out my perfect life. It's about two or three pages. And I reread it and, and made sure that it was accurate. And I realized it was nothing like the way I was living. Like nothing. The kids were in there. I love having kids. As a matter of fact, the big reason I got married when I was a young man when I was a young, stupid, inexperienced beta male at 25, it was because I wanted kids. So I like my kids. I still like my kids. My kids are great. That part's great. But everything else in my life, I hated. The way I structured my business, the way I structured my finances, 
the way I structured my marriage, where I was living, all that stuff. And so that's when I started realizing, okay, I'm on the wrong path. I need to make some really radical changes in my life, which took me a few years. I didn't get there till about 2000. I didn't get divorced till 2007. So this was probably 2000, this was probably two or three years before that, somewhere mm -hmm. in there. That's where it started. And then so, when I got divorced, that's when I made that, that's when I began the journey because I was free to do that at that time. Was the divorce already happening when you came to the realization or was the, or was the, the divorce part of the realization that you had? It was probably 20% starting. It was probably 20% yeah. in there. It wasn't yeah. really going hardcore. And that's not the biggest reason I got divorced. She got violent and got weird. And so I just had to leave. Mm. But but yeah, we were already, things were already starting to deteriorate, if that's your question. Yes, definitely. Right. That's definitely true. Right. And that wasn't the impetus. That was just one of many things in my mind. Like, this doesn't seem right. Now, even when my marriage was working, even when my marriage was fine, it was for many years. I was married for nine years. Most of those years were fine. But I remember sitting on my couch back when I was traditionally monogamously married, thinking, okay, I can't have sex with any women except her. Number one. Number two, she can say no whenever she wants, which means I don't get to have sex with anybody. So this one person now controls my entire sex life. Yes, I could cheat, but if I cheat and get caught, I get divorced. And if I get divorced, or if I decide I don't like this anymore, I get divorced. I lose half of everything I've earned throughout my entire life. I worked very hard in my 20s. I worked really hard, 100-hour week, 80, 90-hour weeks. So I said, this. it's almost as if someone designed a system that was the least fair to the man and most fair to the women with that intent. And I didn't realize this until I was already married because, again, I got you very young and dumb. But I remember thinking that, you know, maybe in my late 20s. Who came up with this fucking shit? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I think I think it's hilarious the way that you're describing it. That's 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 brilliant. I might have to cut this out as a little sound bite. Sorry and about drop that. that out there. No, that's that's great. Because <laughs> it's um because it's a slaughterhouse most guys march into and they just don't know what they're signing up for or they what don't. the actual experience is gonna be. Because the narrative they've got their entire life, you know, the you know, the societal programming, as you like to call it, I think it was described yes. in your book, it was SP. Yes, SP yeah. societal programming. You know, because the because the way society programs you is, you know, you got a wife her up, you know, religion encourages it, media encourages it, government encourages it, blah, 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 blah. And you know, I think you Which signed was up for fine. That was fine a hundred years ago. That was well, a that was the correct play a hundred years ago to do that. The 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 truth that most guys don't understand understand like the reality of marriage that most guys don't get is it's never ever 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 been about love or sexual exclusivity correct it's been about the acquisition of in-laws correct and correct. in the grand scheme of things you know i'll just kind of repeat this again from what i talked about yesterday i think we've been on this earth for about six million years and it's only the last two thousand odd years that we've applied the notion of sexual exclusivity marriage and monogamy all wrapped up into one pretty little picture which if you plot the 6 million years on a 24 hour clock, that's the equivalent of literally only a few seconds. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, it started after started in uh, post Constantine Rome, because prior to that in Rome, um, and I've read a lot about this. Matter of fact, they, they showed this on that Rome HBO series a few years back, which is very good. Mm -hmm. um, if, if a husband, this is a husband with money, because if you were poor, you couldn't afford this. But if you were a husband, you woke up and you were horny and wanted to have sex. And your wife said, no, your wife said, hang on, hang on. Hey, Janice, come in here and fuck my husband. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. And she fucked the husband right next to her and then he'd be fine. Mm -hmm. And that was perfectly normal for, as you said, 6 million years, 5.999 million years, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. And the other part of this is for the societal programming that you mentioned earlier, not only do men walk into this, one of the reasons they walk into this is because no one tells them. 
My dad didn't explain this stuff to me when I was about to get married. None of my buddies explained this stuff. None of my older brothers explained this. They all said, oh, you're getting married? Great. Mm -hmm. Including guys who were married themselves and not getting laid, including guys who had been married themselves and got divorced and lost everything. Oh, yeah. that's great. You're getting married. That's great. No one says, All right, whoa, 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 what the, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you understand what this means? Do you understand what the divorce laws are in the state? Do you understand what this means sexually? Do you, blah, 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 blah. Men don't do that. Yeah. They really, I mean, they do a little bit these days, but barely. Yeah. So, yeah. I got, um, I got a friend in the waiting area, Paul. I'm just going to pull him in. So Paul's sure. actually deployed in Afghanistan right now. So I'm going to pull him in because I know that sometimes he's got to run real, real quick. But cool. he wanted to ask you a question on this broadcast. Paul? Hey, Caleb. Hey, How are you? Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, you're oh, a little low on the volume. Good. I don't know if you can turn up a bit. Let me try. Or just yeah. get a little closer to your mic. All right. Using earbuds. There you go. <laughs> Is that better? Yeah. Where are you deployed? Right, what city? Um, I'm in Afghanistan right now. I'm in Helmand because uh, we did a treaty and now they're trying to kill each other in Helmand. So really where yeah. they try to kill each other, that's where I go. That's, awesome. That's the goal. Love it. Yeah. You're brave. Yeah, it's fun. You're braver than me. Fun times. <laughs> well, it's good time, I guess. And um, but I, I would um, I don't know when I'll just present an idea uh, to you because I was curious about your opinion. I, I read your book probably a few years ago, uh, Alpha Two Point um, and I found it pretty interesting. And it was yeah, several years ago. Um, great video on uh, monogamy, by the way, Rich. Um, Thank you. Several years ago, got into this topic, and I don't know if Rich remembers from. Maybe some of my old, uh, when I was trying to figure out how to put my uh, words to a video, um, you know, I was exploring the topic of monogamy. And, you know, what I found was that it was re it's really a environmental adaption um, and trying to solve reproductive problems, you know. Um, and so there's a time with scarcity of resources and um, lack of options, you know, lack of resources um and having to pre-plan for resources during the agricultural revolution where monogamy was a solution to reproductive problems particularly for uh beta males and less marketable females you know and because then, children um, back then children back then were actually property so you had to know where the property originated you're correct yep yep exactly yep. and so then and now we're in a in a society now where the reproductive problem is being sold if we just allow society to let us let it solve us for us and we don't pre-plan how we want our relationships to go um it's being solved through serial monogamy and open cuckoldry right so where betas in waiting you know shack up with a girl who's usually got a kid from her alpha fucks days can i say that on youtube anyway uh, it's been said you know, carry she, on she yeah, right on. So she, so she's like slamming dudes, you know, in her younger years, bangs out a kid, and then she finds a guy to take care of care of that kid. It's just an open cuckoldry model where she's going from relationship to relationship, and then that guy finds himself discarded when she's in about her late thirties, and she finds no more use for him. So it's just a losing model, you know, if you allow society to sort of direct where you want to go with it. Um, what I kind of run is more of a uh, harem style polyg polygonist relationship where I have um, so because I know Caleb, you're kind of you kind of leave it open to where she can kind of decide what she wants to do, you decide what you want to do. She gravitates towards you because you're off of behavior, at least that's the idea. 
Right. And so, you know, it's, but it's kind of an equal scenario, right? Where she can sleep with other people, you can sleep with other people. It's not an um, equal scenario. It's a fair scenario. There's a difference. It's not okay. equal, but yes. So okay. far you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I run, I run an unfair scenario where <laughs> one would say unfair. One would say unfair. Some, some, some might say where I basically have my, you know, my LTR and she, Here's is an interesting dynamic, and I just wanted to present it to you guys, discuss or even explore later for yourselves. But um, it's like she gets turned on by bringing me other females, and so and I started researching and looking into this, and I kind of realized, you know, this is also a genetic driver because we weren't just polygamist through try you know hunter tribe uh, hunter gatherer tribes. I mean, we were polygamists where alpha guys with resources had their main wife or queen or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it and then had concubines, concubines and had, yeah. And, yeah and the chick would you know she increased her value as she aged by bringing younger hotter tighter correct for the guy and correct. so she you know so so they've evolved to be this is why women tend to have lesbian bisexual tendencies because you know when the guy's not around they kind of they, they can't sleep with anybody else without potential penalty oh i property. see property that's interesting yeah. Gary. you might be right i don't know that's interesting i've never heard it stated like that but yeah maybe yeah yeah, yeah. so just some you're looking into it so it's like they they're this is why they're turned on by their females or guys are pretty much not turned on by being with other dudes mostly right it's either right. you're yeah. you're kind of either gay or not right but for right. women there's there's definitely a scale and so for a lot of women not every single woman but a lot of women are turned on if they can remove the social stigma, the slut defense from, you know, hey, I'm bringing my other dude, younger, hotter chicks. You know, if she she can um, remove that stigma, she finds herself turned on by doing that. That's that's and then it solves a bunch of reproductive problems now that monogamy cre creates traditional monogamy, which is she gets kind of her kicks and her kind of predatory sexual drive through women and for finding women for me versus trying to find a dude to sleep with, you know? And so it kind of creates this interesting dynamic where she is, she is constantly doing what is best for her and her, you know, imperative, which is to please the guy that she perceives as alpha, which means doing things for me. They're happier doing shit for us. We know that. Right. And so, so yeah, so it just creates this dynamic that has been very interesting, solving a lot of problems that traditional monogamy um, kind of creates, especially in our society, because we no longer have that stimulation for monogamy to work. You have to create an Correct. outside, you, you have to insulate your relationship or else, <clears throat> you know what I mean? Social media and all the stimulation. So and let me tell yeah. you. You're right. You're 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 right for the most part. Correct. Let me tell you what I've done and how I've done that uh, now in the last few years. So the girlfriend I had before my wife, um, I called her girlfriend. She was probably in my parlance. She was a high end MLTR, maybe OLTR. Right. We saw each other for many many years. She was a younger Asian woman. She was very cute. She would do exactly what you're saying. She would bring over her cute hot friends for me. And either mm -hmm. she would play with them or we would play with them or I would play with them. She would actually, yeah. at, at, we actually got to the point where I would train her on how to go onto Facebook. She would randomly find pretty girls on Facebook. 
make friends with these girls, they would come right over to her house because girls can pick up girls really easily. They'd play with her, and then she would bring them later, maybe a week later, bring them over to my house. We did this many, many, many times. Matter of fact, her favorite, my favorite statement she told me back then was, and I'll, I'll make it G-rated for Rich, I want you to <laughs> F all of my girlfriends. It was great. Mm -hmm. So today, now, yes. but, well, I'll, I'll get to the end in a second. So then today, my wife today is, what you just said, she is turned on by watching me have sex with other women in front of her. And she took her two or three years to say this to me because she was so embarrassed because of her societal program. But she said, my fantasy is to sit on, on my recliner with a glass of wine and my little dog and be very comfortable and watch you have sex with one of your FBs. And so we've done that several times. She loves that stuff. But my point is under both those, and I can tell you other scenarios, other stories, other women I've been with under both those scenarios. I never said to them, you're not allowed to have sex with other men. I'm only allowed to have sex with other women. You're allowed to, you just got to sit there and take it. And if you don't like it, I don't care. I didn't have to say any of this. Right. They brought this to me on their own. And my wife yeah. has no interest. She's 40. She's a preschool teacher. She has no interest in being with other guys. She just, that's not something she's into. She has high ASD. She's a Disney girl, all that good stuff. But that's, yeah. so my model produces what you're talking about in many cases, not in all cases, but in many cases, because of what you just talked about, because of women's biological imperative, when they are with an alpha male or an attractive, when I mean attractive, I mean through personality, and everything else, guy, they're, they mm -hmm. will move into these directions if you just let them. The yep. other, the, yep. yeah, go ahead. I said, yeah, no, I totally agree. I never imposed any relationship at all on this girl. Oh, good. Well, good for you. Then I, you know then I love so it. She just grew into it. I love and, it. And but, but here's what I do do a little bit, a little bit different though, is that if you want to plan a future with me, to include having access to my resources mm -hmm. and access to a, a, a assured future, meaning I don't just LTR with somebody different or mm -hmm. whatever, then no other penises like. I kind of expect you to. You do what you want, girlfriend. <laughs> okay, but have you, you told your current penis, LTR this you know, now or okay, no? But then she is. Yeah, she she under she understands like it, so she brought up so it, it started off, it started off alpha, alpha fucks as all my you know situations start off with. I don't start off as like the beta dude, mm -hmm. um, and so that grew into so it, I established right in the beginning we're going to play with your friends. All right. Good. So, that's, good. so you don't good. run into this problem where like, you're like sexually exclusive with somebody. And then you're like, Hey, want to let's play with your friends. Like, and she's like, what the hell? So the like hell? you, 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 <laughs> yeah, you established it in the beginning, which we did and we played a bit and then boom, I hit deployment. So she had grown closer and more, more into me and wanting to plan this, like plan her life and start planning this future. How old is she? And I basically, she's uh 28. How old are you? And I'm 42. Okay. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, you know, and that's, and, and that's cool. I just basically, I did say at one point, yeah, you know, like I'm, you, you decide what you want to do. I'm just, if we're, if we're going to be together and plan a life though, you know, she's like, well, so she made it actually, she made it a point to tell me I'm not interested in any other dudes. I, I, right. I, I just want you. And that's what I, often happens. That's what yeah. often, my yeah. point is that's what often happens without you saying a word. And that's exactly often. what happened actually. Yeah, and go. so, and, and so then I, and that's, that's what I look for. I never impose a commitment. Everyone's a plate until they start demonstrating. They want my commitment. Agree. So, and so then, that, then once you started demonstrating that, then I'm like, okay, well, good, good. Well, if you want to, 
I'm, I'm not planning a future with someone who doesn't want to, you know, be with me and to the exclusion of other dudes. So I'm glad that you said that, you know what I mean? That tells me we can start thinking about other stuff, but you know, and she, and she's like, but I'm still, you know, I'll still, we'll still do stuff with all, all other girls. I want you to fuck all my friends. And I'm like, awesome. You know, that's, that's perfect. And so, She's been very happy with that arrangement, but she does. It wasn't enforced is a point. It wasn't an Excellent. alpha 1.0. Hey, bitch, you know, like, right. <laughs> better Love do it. this. Yeah. So, so that's kind of how it developed and and that's my preference, but I, it's good to hear your input on it and, and how, you know, I think it. we're in a lot in, in agreement on stuff. Yeah. Honestly. Love all so of it. Good. Love it. Awesome. Right. Thanks, Paul. Yep. Yep. No See you, brother. Be safe. So um, if you guys are interested, I posted Paul's YouTube channel in the chat. He's just getting started. Uh, when he comes back from the deployment, I'm probably going to have him on for a solo episode. He's got some interesting insight to the mechanics of the sexual marketplace from his own experiences. Um, super chat from Sam Whiskey. He says, today's children are a retirement plan. I think that's true for some cultures. What do you think, uh, Caleb? I think they were a retirement plan. I don't think they are anymore. I think in the yeah. in the 1800s, that is exactly what they were. That's why, as a man, you had as many kids as you could because you knew you'd be old someday and someone else would have to take care of the farm. So you cranked out as many kids as you could. And we had, you know, one out of three died or whatever that number is. Yeah. So that was the case. Today, I don't know if you've noticed, kids don't give a shit about you. Yeah. Number one. Number two, kids don't have any money today. I mean, the millennials are poor and Gen, Gen Z is going to be poor. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could go on a whole thing about that, but, and some of it isn't their fault. I agree with some of those arguments, but anyway, that's a whole different topic. The point is for you today in the 21st century, in the Western world to crank out a bunch of kids to hope they're going to take care of you in your old age. No, you, you've got to rely on yourself. You cannot today in the Western world, you have to rely on yourself. You cannot rely on kids and you cannot rely on your government. You have to, you've got to do this stuff yourself. A big thing I said um, maybe last year on one of my blogs was, and this is just, this is not alpha 2.0. This is just my personal opinion. Every man should be worth, have a net worth in the Western world, a net worth of $1 million by the time they hit 50. That's my opinion. And I think that's mandatory. And you could argue that number is too low. Matter of fact, some will argue that number is too low. You've got to do this yourself. You can't I don't rely think the on the number's too low. I've actually put out a video a couple of years ago that I said, guys need to have a million bucks by the time they're 40. Um, right. which is not that unreasonable. I mean, it literally no, works out to like 370 something dollars a day over 10 years. Provided. Well, with inflation, it's not unreasonable yeah. anymore. I mean, maybe in the eighties that was unreasonable today. No, but a lot of guys get pissed off. Like they get really, really upset when you say, look, you know, if you do a little bit of work and you plan a little bit and you hustle a little bit, then you can put a little bit of a dent in your own universe and have access to, you know, the ability to maneuver and the flexibility to buy and choose and do whatever you want, whenever you want. Right. And they're like, well, you're out of touch, Rich. You have no idea how hard it is to make a buck today. And blah, blah, blah. That's because I you get the subscribe same shit. to lies. It's because you subscribe to an old world order that doesn't serve you. So correct. How's it working out for you, buddy? It's not, yeah. right? So, And your income is your fault. Yeah. Including yeah. if it's good. Completely if it's good, fault. it's your fault. If it's terrible, it's your fault. You can't blame anyone else. You can't blame the Democrats. <clears throat> you can't blame Trump. You can't blame your mom. You can't mm. blame your fucking roommate or your boss. That's your fault. I mean, and they hate that, that too. Oh, yeah. true. Uh, well, I think that guys are more akin to taking ownership. Uh, you know, these days, I mean, it's funny because I mean, you notice by putting out content, you know, around the stuff that we talk about, the feedback that I get is, okay, got it. Make more money, make more muscles, you know, improve some game, you know, okay, got yes. it. I'm going to go do the work now. 
But Good. if you tell a woman, you know, lose some weight, get it, you know, get a gym membership, look more <laughs> feminine, it's like, you know, they just lose their ever loving minds, right? Mm -hmm. How dare you tell us to do something for the express benefit or, you know, um, right. <laughs> provisional I've outcome for men, blah, 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 sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is it that, that, that frustrates you the most about men today? Oh boy. You know, cause what a lot that? of people yeah. will ask you some questions. Like I, I'm in your private Facebook group, right? And I see guys going there posting posts all the time. And it's not a, it's not a curated, you know, sort of community, no, but I see like the same sort of comments that come up in other public groups as well. Right. Mm -hmm. What do you get frustrated by the most? Like you find yourself repeating it over and over and That's over and over That's a complicated question because there's so many things and it depends on the guy's age. The, the, I'll start with a random few. The One of the big ones is what I just said. These young guys in their 20s or early 30s who complain that there's no point in doing what you just said. There's no point in making a decent amount of money because women are disloyal today. It's not like the 1950s. So why would I make a bunch of money? There's mm -hmm. no point in lifting weights because what, what's the point? There's some chat on, on Instagram takes all the girls. There's no point in doing these things. Because there, there's no point in uh, learning any dating or relationship skills because my SMV is too low. I'm not a multimillionaire with six-pack abs. There's no point. And when they say that, they don't realize when you say things like that, that means your entire view of your entire life is woman-centric. You shouldn't give a shit about women if you want to make more money. When I wanted to make more money as a kid, I set a goal when I was 18 to make a six-figure income by the time I was 28. I beat it by one year. I hit it by the time I was 27. At, at no point did I ever think, I can't wait to make six figures because then I'm going to get laid. Then I'm going to get a hot wife. I never thought that. I wanted to make six figures because I wanted the money. I grew up poor and I hated it. And I wanted the money for me. It had nothing to do with women. So when you say, I don't want to make any money because girls, well, then where is your entire focus? It's on girls. The girls should be one of your final focus areas, not your first one. Are you fucking kidding? Get healthy. If your health is out of whack, get that taken care of. Get your income up to a certain point. And then, yes, get some dating and relationship skills, which are important. And you don't do it for girls. You do it for you. What the fuck? And they, yeah. and they don't even see that when they say these things. They don't hear themselves when they say, why should I bother, bother starting a business? Because girls are cunts today. Sorry. Girls are blanks today. Why, why bother? They don't understand where they're coming from with that stuff. That's, that's probably the biggest one off the top of my head. If you want another one, it's older guys who repeat the same mistake. So they say, okay, I, I was a beta. I got married too soon. I got traditionally monogamously married. I didn't sign a prenup. I got divorced. I got divorce raped. I lost my kids. So I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again with this new girl. See, the problem, the problem, Caleb, was not marriage. It was because I chose the wrong woman. See, this woman is different. This woman is different. This woman is not like the rest. So now this model will work. And they don't understand the problem isn't the, mo the, problem isn't the woman, it's the model. You're using the exact same model that you used before and you're expecting it to work just because the woman is different. That's not how it works. As a matter of fact, you look at the stats, second marriages fail more often than first marriages because guys just do the same damn thing over and over again. I got married a second time, but my marriage is structured completely differently. It is completely different than the first traditional monogamous marriage I had. And plus, I waited 10 years after my divorce to even think about getting married again. I, mm. I did a lot of, I wanted to get a lot of other things done in my woman life and my financial life before I made that change. So that's what, those are probably the two biggest. I mean, there's more, but those are the two big ones. It's a great comment. Yes, correct. Correct, John B. You're right. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so that so that covers some of the points of frustration. Um, you got married a second time. You said that you've that you've protected your yourself with the second marriage. You don't yeah. have any kids with her in the second marriage. Does she bring no. any kids in tow? No. Okay. So she doesn't bring that much in the way of baggage. You've you've legaled up. Did you do a, a prenup and a postnup or just a, a prenup? So my attorneys tell me that I'm not allowed to give too many specifics on this because then I risk the enforceability of these things that I have signed. So I'll give Got you it. as much as I can, but I'll, try, okay. I'll give you as much as I possibly can. So um, it, in most jurisdictions and every, this is really important guys, every city in the Western world is radically different. So please check your local laws in your local city before you take anyone else's advice. If you're in Los Angeles, it's very different than your Miami or London or Sydney. So this is very local. So in my I always local tell guys area, to buy an hour of a lawyer's time before they do correct. Anything That's what I tell everybody. Marriage. So they at least walk in you move in with her. her eyes wide open. Yeah, right. Not not because before you marry her, before she even moves in. Correct. Take it. Spend a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks. It'll be the best money you ever spent in your life. Then talk to a lawyer in your city, a divorce attorney or family attorney. Right. Yeah. Um, in most jurisdictions, it is not actually called prenuptial agreement. They all have different names for it, and there's different levels of enforceability. Some of them are enforceable. Some of them are not. Um, I signed a number of things and had her sign them uh, 60 days before she moved in. And a let's see, about a year and a half before there was a wedding ceremony. Mm -hmm. So um, did I have to sign a post-nup? No, what I did sign was a something that applied to living together and then a second item that applied to um, cohabiting long-term. So it wasn't really a post-nup, no. And Are it's you not just signing a prenup or the equivalent. You also have to keep separate finances in most jurisdictions. So our finances are completely separate. We have no shared assets, no shared accounts, no shared, not the same cell phone account. Um, I can't pay one. I can't pay her cable bill. She's got to pay it herself. They're, it's completely separate. And if you start merging finances, you again, you damage the enforceability of what you signed. So it's not just you sign a few pieces of papers. Okay, good. I'm done. What good attorneys will tell you is that, no, you now have to live the agreement for the rest of the marriage. And if that's the rest of your life, you can't violate it once. Because if he, if she goes to divorce court and challenges whatever she signed, and there's ways you can, you can diminish that risk as well. If she can show that you violated the structures you agreed to in the agreements, then it becomes less enforceable and you, now you risk losing your money. Um, have you heard of the approach to expatriation and secured party creditor to protect yourself and your assets? Yes, a little. That's a little oh. extreme, but I have looked into that hardcore. But I have heard of it, yes. Yeah. I had a conversation with a guy that does it. And I mean, basically, it takes you off the records. I mean, you don't have access to credit. You don't have access to right. banking. Right. Right. Um, I uh, couldn't do that. You don't pay taxes and stuff like that either. Yes, I couldn't do that. Yeah, I mean, I familiar. could do it. I wouldn't want to do it. That's, that's yeah. too extreme for me. But yeah, yeah there that's some like guys the most extreme way to try to protect yourself. You basically are no longer a citizen, but you still remain in the country. Yes. To me, that's too risky. Again, I try to stick with long-term models that I don't have to worry about for the rest of my life. And to mm -hmm. me, I'm not saying that would work. It probably does if you're very careful. But I don't well, I mean, you're also very safe from the perspective that you don't have kids. You're not going to have kids. And she doesn't bring any kids to the relationship Correct. either, right? So Correct. it's really Which just dealing with assets. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was looking for someone, I made the decision I wanted to settle down again mm -hmm. under this model, not the traditional model. Um, I made a list of uh, the ideal traits this woman would have. The, the and, and I had two lists, a must have, and then it wouldn't be nice if she had. Mm -hmm. And the must have was either she had no kids and didn't want any kids or was physically unable to have kids. That's cool with me. I don't give a shit. Or she was a, someone in my age range who already had kids and they were grown and gone. Mm -hmm. 
If they were little kids or, and that's an issue I ran in when I was dating younger women, and I still date younger women on the side, but they're, those are FBs. Um, in, in, in moderately more serious relationship with younger women, they want more kids. And I already have two kids. I'm like, Argh. matter of fact, that's one of the reasons the woman before my wife didn't work out is she really wanted two kids. I'm like, Argh. so I had to go through that. So yes, mm. but you're correct. Our marriage is a lot easier because there are no kids. Mm. It's a, it's a world of difference. That's a world of difference for a number of reasons, but that's one of them. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Here I got a, here, let me throw this question up from uh, one of the guys in my inner circle, Jack. He says, so what's the point in being married? If she's cool with you being non-monogamous, no kids and financials are totally separate. Love question mark. So what do you think the answer is? There is an answer. It's not my answer. It's her answer. What do you think a nor now my models rely on only my models are based on only dating women who are normal, not women who are already hardcore in a polyamory and woo normal girls. So she's a normal, she doesn't look normal, she's beautiful, but she she's a normal girl. What would a normal girl, how would a normal girl answer that question? Because I want a wedding and I want a commitment and I want a wedding ring and I want my mom to take a picture of my mom at my wedding and societal programming. So it was her idea, not mine. I agreed to it. She had agreed a lot of stuff to marry me, obviously. So one of the compromises I made is fine, we can have a big foofy wedding and we did. Fine, you can get a wedding dress. Fine, I'll get you a wedding ring. Fine, 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 fine. So all the societal programming trappings, that's the answer. You and I would say, what's the fucking point? And I did say that. It's, it was silly. I mean, I didn't hate it. It was fine. I had a fun day. I, I ate some cake. It was fine. But that's why. That's the answer. That was a compromise I made. Now, I had to make sure that that compromise did not damage the enforceability of the legal paperwork I signed. So I had to be really careful about how I did that. Yeah. And I did it. It was fine. I don't mind having a wedding. Fine, sweetheart. Because she's agreeing to a lot. I have sex with other women. There are separate finances. She doesn't get a penny if we get divorced. So it was fine for me to say, sure, I'll give you a wedding. Sure, I'll buy your ring. Sure. That's I want to um I want to go to the business part of your life. Um, yeah. maybe in about 10 minutes. So let's spend about 10 minutes on um because you've kind of spoken about it a few times through this broadcast. I know you've got lots of blog posts on it and podcasts and all this stuff. And I think I've heard you declare on one of the podcasts. Um more than 50% of the women that you've slept with have been under the age of 23. Yes. And that's recently, I guess, in the last few years too as well. So yes. your marriage is open. How do you go about, and let's, again, let's try to keep this water down for the guys on YouTube so they don't get okay. butt hurt. But sure. no um, how do you how do you go about doing that successfully with women that young when you're the age that you're at right now? So that's a very big topic. I will uh, summarize it as best I can. When you are an older guy going after much younger women, uh, you have to break out younger women into three categories. And when I say younger women, I'm usually talking about women under the age of 23. Of Obviously, if you're in your 60s and you're dating a woman who's 35, that would be a younger woman to you. But when I say younger women, I'm talking about women in their 20s, certainly under the age of 23. They break out into three categories. There's three types. Type one is the type of younger woman who would never sleep with an older man ever. She thinks it's gross. It's like effing her dad. So she would never do that. It's disgusting. She'll go about four or five years older than her and that's it, period. You have no chance those women, it doesn't matter what you do, what you try, what techniques you use, how good looking you are, how rich you are, they will not go there. So that's type one. Type two, which is the smallest category, are women who are the exact opposite. They are only attracted to much older men. And matter of fact, in many cases, the older, the better. So if she's 19, she wants a guy in her 40s. That really turns her on. This is the woman who sat in the back of her algebra class in high school and was lusting over her 45-year-old algebra teacher. That's that girl. 
So those are the ones you want to focus on. The third type is type threes. And those are women who don't really care about how old a guy is. They're attracted to all the usual other stuff, confidence, appearance, you know, SMB, all other stuff. They don't really care how old you are, but they will end up dating men their own age because that's who women hang out with. 19-year-old girls, 25-year-old girls hang out with men who are about that age range. So that's what they end up with. So you focus on the type twos. And your entire system for going after these women is to exclude or screen out the type ones, focus on the type twos, get type threes when you can if you want to take a little time and, ex and extra effort. The way you do that is by using your age as a, I'll use an old pickup artist term, DHV. You, instead of saying, oh no, I better act like I'm younger. I better dress like I'm a younger guy. No, you play up the fact that you're an older guy. I mean, I'm dressed like this. I don't dress you know, in like a, a Hurley shirt or some shit like that. I'm, I'm dressed like an older guy. So you play up the fact that you are a confident, attractive, non-creepy, that's a big one, non-creepy older guy. And that's what will turn on the type twos. What guys do when they try to act younger is they're trying to oppress the type ones. But those are the women who would never sleep with them. So you're just completely wasting your time by trying to act younger. So guys who lie about their age and try to act like they're 10 years younger or say they're 10 or imply they're 10 years younger, you're blowing the whole thing. You should actually play up your age. If anything, I've done this before. You should lie and say you're older. I did this as an experiment. I, I told her very quickly I was my age. So that's that's the that's the summary of it. There's a lot more to it, but that's the that's the backbone of it. Yeah. I noticed a lot of guys go wrong when they try to go into their world. Like they'll try to like dumb themselves down, get into like the Justin Bieb sort of outfit, sort of stuff like that. You yeah. don't do that. You invite them into your world, right? Right. That's a great way of saying it. That's fantastic. <clears throat> I love it. That's and that's exactly that. accurate. Um yeah. Where do you find these women that are under 23 that you've spent so much time with? My whole thing is online dating. Matter of fact, that's how I got started as Black Dragon a billion years ago was online mm -hmm. dating. And so um, it's a combination of several apps. Now, today, I'm almost 50. I make multiple six figures. I run three companies. I'm very busy. So I started introducing a few years ago Sugar Daddy Game into my mix. So there's a mixture now of normal FBs and then Sugar Babies who you throw a little money at to occasionally. And again, my rule about that, not again, but I haven't talked about this podcast. My rule about that, about paying for sex is a big topic. My bottom line rule for paying for sex is it's okay provided two things. One, you make plenty of money. If you're making $32,000 a year and you're paying women on seeking arrangement or paying hookers in Thailand, your money should be going somewhere else, dude. You need to be making more money. Get, invest back in yourself, number one. Number two is you have the ability to get laid with younger, attractive women without paying them. Because of the only way you can have sex, and a lot of guys in this category, unfortunately, the only if the only way you can have sex is by paying for it, your self-esteem is going to take a big hit. That's not going to make you long-term happy. Hmm. So if you have the ability to do this, but you're busy and you can easily afford it, then go ahead and do it. I just started doing this a few years ago. So for the first 10, 11 years, I didn't pay for a single thing. I didn't want to. Matter of fact, the Black Dragon system that I've got is based around having sex with women within two to three hours of FaceTime spending less than $27. And I my, my to answer your question, mine is mostly online dating. That's okay. probably 90% of what I've done. Um, I dropped your YouTube channel in the chat, by the way. So it looks like you're just over a thousand subscribers right now. So we got yeah. you there. Um, so the three businesses that you run that let you live independent or, or independent of location, yeah, living this lifestyle that you choose, yeah. you know, going where you want, doing what you want, and not worrying about government and coronavirus and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. what, what are the three businesses that you run and how do you run them? If you can offer some insight into that to help some guys understand where you're coming from. 
So I have a business background. I've been a business consultant for about 23, 24 years. I've started lots of companies. That's just, that's my background. A lot of guys think women's stuff is my background. I'm actually a business guy. Um, the three businesses that I have, and this is just an example of an alpha 2.0 business model. You don't have to copy this if you don't want to. This is just what I've done. My first business is, as I mentioned, I'm a business consultant, time management, strategic planning, productivity, things like that, where I do consulting for certain niches and certain industries for companies. Coaching is when you work with a human being, Consulting is when you work with a company. So that's my first business. My second business is the Alpha 2.0 Black Dragon business. Freedom Focus, lifestyle design for men. Sell ebooks, podcasts, courses, seminars, coaching services, all that good stuff. So that's a purely online business. And I did that by design. I wanted a purely online source of income. My third business is I do marketing for on-site IT companies where I actually market for them. And we, we pretend that we're them using their letterhead and telemarketing and things like that. We resurrect old accounts and I take a percentage of the improvement. And that is a purely offline business. So there's literally no website for that. Um, it's purely offline. We use telemarketers, direct mail. It's B2B. So we're able to do those kinds of things. And so, but it's still 100%, all three of these incomes, are 100% location dependent. I can be anywhere I want in the world. I don't have to be physically located in any one place to make sure these, these businesses run. And you may notice these three companies have nothing to do with each other. So I have a diversified stream of income. They talk about diversifying your investments. I would argue, and which is important, minor and diversified, okay, but I would argue it's more important to diversify your income. So if any one of these companies has a major problem, I go out of business in any one of these companies, or the laws change and you're not allowed to talk about dating on the internet. So my so second business goes away or they start licensing consultants or whatever happens. If one of these companies goes out of business, I'm upset, but I'm okay. The income just keeps coming in and I'm all right. So you want to make sure that when you have a model like this, you have diversified income streams. You don't just, uh, the example is, you know, a real estate guy who's a real estate agent. Then he starts a mortgage brokerage. Then he trains other real estate agents. And he says, well, I have three companies. Yeah, you do, but it's all the same market. So if real estate takes a dump in your area, you're screwed. All three of your companies vanish. You mm. don't want to do that. So that's that's an example of an alpha 2.0 business model. And every business I have has multiple streams of income in each company. I don't just sell one thing in each company. I sell many things. So I have multiple streams added up times three businesses, all that stuff spinning off money every, every month, regardless of where I live in the world. And it only requires, in my case, 15, one, five hours per week to maintain. I work a lot more than that because I want to, because I like to work and I have big goals. But if I wanted to, I could work all day Monday, put in a 10 hour day, I could work half the day Tuesday and I could take the rest of the week off. That income would come in for the rest of my life, more or less. Um, what hardware do you need to run the business in that way? Like this laptop that I'm staring at right now. That's, that's it. it. So yeah. I believe in having the Alpha 2.0 business model is very lean no inventory, minimal infrastructure, no employees. I have no employees. I have a staff, about 15 people, but none of them are employees because I don't want to dick with those taxes and regulations and paperwork and all those laws. No thanks. So my entire business empire is this laptop I'm staring at and this microphone and my phone over there. And that's it. All right. So you pack it up. You have an internet connection. You're plugged into your business from anywhere in the world. And I barely even need my laptop. The next step to this is just to use my phone. I think mm -hmm. it was... um. Gary Vaynerchuk, who talked about as long as I have my phone, I can maintain my income. Like, oh, that sounds good. I like my keyboard, though, so I might stick with my laptop. But correct, I, as long as I have my laptop and an internet connection, I'm good. Got it. And, the, and where do you not have an internet connection? Even if I don't, I tether it, Wi-Fi tether it to my phone, mm -hmm. even internationally, works fine. Never mm -hmm. a problem. Um, real estate. 
You don't have any real estate right now. You didn't talk about okay. real estate in that portfolio. Is there a reason why you're not involved in it? Are you avoiding it? Like what's your Yeah, I'm avoiding it. I have been avoiding it. I, I'm I'm reasonably convinced we're at the top of a market or near the top of a market. Now you never know. I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't like buying when things are good. I like buying when things are bad. That's why I'm taking a very hard look at the coronavirus and assets in Asia right now, because people are freaking out, which I like. Um no, I've purposely held off buying real estate for many years. I have I've been diversifying in other areas and stacking a lot of cash, which I do also don't like. I've mentioned this in my blog. I hate having all this cash. It bothers me, which is one of the reasons I started taking this cash and putting it in my companies, trying mm. to practice what I preach and, and building my income there. Um, as part of the five flags plan that I'm executing next year, I'm sort of required, not literally, but if I want what I want, I have to buy real estate in certain places, including the United States, to make all this legal and and also getting passports in other countries and things like that. Mm. So, so next year or late this year will be the first time I will buy real estate in, let's see, five years or so. Yeah. Where do you, where do you find that you get treated best around the world? You know, you've traveled around a lot. I've seen you do some videos, like just walking around in Germany, for example. Yeah. Um, like where do you find is a good place for men to look on this depends, planet? To live? I get this question a lot. It depends what your objectives are. So if you're looking to get laid, that would be one set of countries. If you're looking to make a lot of money, that'd be another set of countries. If you're looking to start a business, that'd be another set of countries. So it depends on, and I've noticed that guys have different priorities when it comes to these things. Mm. My priority is usually business and finances. That's always been my priority. And then if I can you know, play with the women in the country that I'm, I'm in there for business, I'll do that too. But mm. I've never really traveled for the specific reason of getting laid. I don't mm. really, I, I've never had that need. So it depends on what you're talking about. If you want, if, if business is a priority, yeah, let's use the business model. All right. The best place in the world, in my opinion, if business is a priority, is Southeast Asia, which, by the way, overlaps with some women's stuff, too. So, yeah, Southeast Asia is the only region in the entire world that will experience massive economic growth over the next 25 years. Everywhere else is going to either collapse or stagnate or maybe slowly rise. It's Southeast Asia. It's all those Southeast Asia. There's five or six of them. Any one of them will do great. What are the countries that you're referencing when you say Southeast Asia? So... Let's see if I can remember the list. So it's Thailand, which is kind of already hit. Thailand isn't growing as fast more because it's it's the top. Thailand, Cambodia, Laos is probably the weakest one. Myanmar is has tons of opportunity. Myanmar is going to be insane. Um, Vietnam is fantastic. Um, Malaysia is pretty good. Again, like Thailand, it's kind of already arrived. Philippines, I don't usually include Philippines into that, although technically it kind of is. Philippines could go up or down. Uh, Philippines will probably rise slowly. Mm -hmm. But it's those first four countries. Mm, got it. Yeah. Um, we got about 20 minutes left on the broadcast. Um, I wanted to spend some time on some of your some of your work, especially as it relates to when you talk to guys, because this is really why this is how most guys have found you anyway. Like this is how I came across your work is somebody said, you know, what do you think of Black Dragon? I was like, I don't know who this guy is. I kind of looked yeah. it up and then the first thing that I started diving into that you were writing about was TRT because it was around the same time that I was starting to consider it for myself, right? Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, this guy clearly knows what he's talking about as I dove through the rest of it. So you've put out a lot of blogs, you've done some podcasts, you've got how many books? Well, you got some ebooks, but your main book is the kind of like the alpha male 2.0 model. Seven books total, but that's the primary book. Yeah, The Unchained yeah. Man. And um, the Unchained Man, by the way, guys, the Amazon store that I have pinned in the top comment, that's got all of my recommended reading and Caleb's book is in that list. So if you want to grab it, it's in there. It's very easy to find. Um, you should definitely read all the books that I've recommended in there um, or at least put it on your list to kind of go through. But as far as your um, 
business model that you train and teach guys on as the alpha male 2.0 business. Mm -hmm. What are the, it's, it's called the alpha 2.0 business course. And I have that pinned in the top uh, comment if you guys want to grab it, but can you kind of explain what that's all about and what it entails and what guys can learn from that? Sure. So as a business consultant with a bazillion years of experience, and I've started multiple companies, I've worked with hundreds of companies, Fortune 500s, nonprofits, small businesses, I can tell you for a fact, and you know this, most business owners are not free. They're, they're one or two notch, notches better than being an employee, but they're not free. The business owns them. They don't own the business. They have yeah. to go in. They have to work X number of hours in a physical location. Uh, even if it's not in a physical location, they are forced to work X amount of hours. They basically they create a job for themselves. Correct. Correct. And, and I agree that for that, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and I agree that that job is better than working, you know, at Intel full time. I agree with that. But it's not that much better. If you're going to start a business, have it set you free. So the Alpha Tupano business model is a very particular business model where you make at least $75,000 a year or more. I mean, I make a lot more than that, but at least $75,000 a year. And they've done studies on this because that's, they've done happiness studies. And when guys make that amount of money, they tend to be happier. $75,000 a year US paying very low taxes, location independent. So you can be anywhere in the world you want. And the money just keeps coming in. And you only need to work 30 hours per week to maintain that income. Because I work with a lot of guys, I have buddies who make very high incomes, but they have to work 50, 60 hours a week. And if they don't, that income goes away. Well, again, you're not free if that's the case. I would rather you make 100,000 a year and work 10 or 20 hours a week than make a million dollars a year and have to work 60 hours a week. That doesn't make any sense to me. Hmm. So the a Alpha 2.0 business model shows you exactly how to do that, how to structure that from day one. And it, it applies to guys who have never started a business and Guys who already own a business and want to convert, because I've worked with a lot of guys doing that. I have a bricklaying business. How do I make that location dependent? So we work on converting that business for them. And it's a business model that changes your focus. Instead of, I got to start a business and it has to be a big building or a big group of people with my name on it. That's that for most men, not all men, there are exceptions, but for most men, that's a trap. And I'd rather you stay out of that trap and make the money and retain the freedom instead of making the money and being stuck with another job. If that makes sense. Am I making sense? Yeah. So so the goal is like show them a way to make $70,000 US per year location independent in a service or information based sort of business, right? Like we're not talking about products too. It can products be pro services, too, yeah. products or information, any one of those. And by I'm not a big point. fan of, of, of product based or businesses. I've talked about that before. I, mm -hmm. I think that you kind of lean more towards service or information. I do. Yeah. Cause I you don't do. like to deal with the inventory and the BS. Correct. And around that, but you can't. There are yeah. some guys who like products. Okay, that you can you can have a product business. You got to be very careful. There's more numbers involved. You got to be you got to be much more hands on. Yeah, but that's um, fine. I took a look at one of your courses last summer or fall, and I dove down through all of it. It was very good. It was laid out very well. The information was very useful. Um, what's covered in the Alpha 2.0 business course? Like, what are they going to learn specifically in there? So. And the modules, so like if you can break down, maybe like the modules or something like so that. So, yeah, I see if you do this by memory. So, the first module is how to get started, how to set your goals, how to lay out your plan. And a big part of that is how to locate your niche. One of the hardest ways to make money is to just sell one thing to everybody on the planet. Mm -hmm. Instead, what I teach, and I've done this multiple times in my life, and it's always worked. And every time I've shown people how to do this, it almost always works for them. You pick a very narrow niche of companies or type of people, and you focus on solving a problem for that very narrow niche. And so we cover that a lot, how to, how to narrow down that niche, which is hard. It's hard to do. But once you uncover this niche and you uncover a way in which you can help them solve that problem through information services, products, whatever you want, then everything else becomes easy. And the next segment is 
marketing, which is the most important function. I talk about this in my books. The most important function in your business is marketing. And we go through 27 different ways of how to market something. There's 27 different ways. It's probably more than that. But we go through all that stuff. And I, one of the big differences between me and a lot of the other guys who talk about business is I, I really put an emphasis on marketing because you could have the greatest product or service or information in the world. But if you're not communicating that to the marketplace, it doesn't matter. You're not going to make any money. There are plenty of guys who've written really good books who will never make any money because they don't know how to market. You've got to market. Yes, you have to provide something quality as well, but you don't have to market too. Hmm. And then we talk about designing an offline model and an online model because you can pick. If you want an offline business, some guys are worried about anonymity. Oh, I don't want anyone to know who I am. Great. Have an offline business like my marketing company. No one will ever know who you are and they won't care. It'll be totally off the internet and it's perfectly viable. So we flow chart out how that would work. And we also flow chart out how an online model would work and not an online model where you're trying to compete with Amazon, something that you could do pretty easily. Matter of fact, you can do this while working at your job. A lot of guys do. As long as you put in 10 to 15 hours a week on the side, which is how I got started in my business, something real basic. And then um, that's most of the focus. There's some other pieces that tie into that, but those are the big four components, how to get mm. started, marketing, and the specific models you use. I try to, in, in all my content, and then this is just how I write my content. I have a lot of content. I try to write to the guy who I was a few decades ago who wished he had this information so I could have avoided all my mistakes. So you so, guys are lucky that you get, and Richard too. I mean, you guys yeah. are lucky. You could avoid the mistakes we made. Yeah, so this course is, is basically a roadmap for a starter. It's not for the advanced entrepreneur that's looking for clarity. This is the starter pack. Yes, more or less. You Got could it. already own a business, but if you're highly advanced, then nah, probably not. Okay. Yeah. Um, drop a prediction on what you think this coronavirus is going to do and how it's going to affect the economy. I'm curious as to what your opinion on that is. The problem with the coronavirus is going to be the reaction to the virus, not the virus itself. I think most likely they'll come up with a vaccine. It's strange how human beings operate. I think we're up to seven deaths in the United States. Oh my God, seven people have died. <laughs> I mean, how many thousands have died from the flu last month? It's just, you know, more, I'm not more saying it's people nothing. probably died from the flu in the last hour and 12 minutes that we've been talking. At least. Correct. Yeah, at least. Um, I'm traveling to Armenia and the country of Georgia in, in a few weeks. I, I didn't change my travel plans. I'm not going. Come on. Mm -hmm. um, I think in there fact, will be problems. Now's the time to book travel plans because mm -hmm. your tickets will be cheaper too. You know what? Yeah, I think I bought my tickets before that. Before that happened, I think I got screwed. Yeah. Although I might be able to get my staff on that and get some discounts. But correct. Yeah. My son just flew this morning to Taiwan. It's fine. Um, I, there will be problems, and the problems will be the overreact as they always are. The overreactions between institutions and governments. Mm -hmm. The overreactions, and that was some. So, if you travel, you're gonna have to put up a lot, a lot more crap. I'm sure I'm gonna have to do a lot more crap when I travel next few months. But I'm not concerned with it. They'll figure it out the same way they figured out Y2K and the bird flu and all these other things that people panicked, and then within a year, no one cared anymore. That's my opinion. And I could be wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. Yeah. I I mean, I've seen the markets take a bit of a hit. They're yeah. And that will happen. The markets today, right? What are they and, and, they're, and, that, and that may continue to happen for a while. Yeah, yeah sure. We're down today again still. Yeah, I think yeah, we're going to see a little bit more of a correction still. What's your, what's your opinion of cryptocurrency and tokens and ethers and stuff like that? Like, what do you think about that? Is that, a, is that something that's got a place in our futures? Absolutely. So I'll give you my general opinion. I made most of my money in Bitcoin or in 2007. So I've kind of considered that something I've already done. I still have a lot of money in Bitcoin. Let's see, I've got, uh, what do I have? Bitcoin, Ethereum. I got some Bitcoin cash left over and maybe some Litecoin, I think, in my mm -hmm. portfolio. My general guess 
is that the guy, the psycho guys who say Bitcoin's going to go to a million dollars are right. And the guys who say Bitcoin's going to go to zero are also right. I think they're both right. And so my best guess, and again, I could be wrong. I'm not an mm -hmm. expert. But my best guess this is why I've kept a lot of Bitcoin after I sold it off in 2007, 2017, excuse me, is that Bitcoin will go up. It will skyrocket in a few years. And then something else will come along and replace it, and it'll drop to zero or near zero, the same way that MySpace quickly got replaced by Facebook. Mm -hmm. I think Bitcoin will do a MySpace. It'll mm -hmm. go crazy, and then something will come along and wipe that out. And so it, the question is, will I be smart enough to sell while it's going crazy? We'll see. That's my that's my guess, my best guess. You're what I would call a more seasoned gentleman, like I like to call myself meaning yes. we're over 40, right? Yes. We'll better shit together. So we'll call yes. ourselves seasoned gentlemen. I see a lot of younger men pushing get rich quick schemes these mm -hmm. days. Have you ever come across anything that could provide said results? Getting rich quick? Seen it? Yeah. Define quick. What do you mean? Buy this cream and rub it under your eyes and lose 10 years. Take this pill, lose 20 pounds. No. Buy my course and make a million dollars in your no. underwear in the next 30 days. No. No, no. Now, I'll qualify that. And I think I said this early on in this call. Um, you can get certain pieces of information. And I've done this, courses or books or whatever that talk about that hypey, that do have a lot of that get rich quick hype. And you can extract bits and pieces that might help and might work for you medium to long term, not in 30 days, but medium to long term. That ha that I ha I've had that experience where I've gotten stuff that look kind of shitty, kind of hypey. But I, I went through it and I pulled out little nuggets. Mm -hmm. Most of it was garbage, but I put out little nuggets and plugged into my action plan and it helped. Now, did it help me make a million dollars in 30 days? No, of course not. No. Mm -hmm. But over the period of time, it's it's an accumulation of actionable information is what I look for. Good tips. Um, we're going to start to wrap this down. Do you have any closing thoughts or words for guys watching? I mean, you're talking to guys mostly 25 to 35 that are uh, men. 25 to 35, your focus should be to detach yourself from the authority figures in your life. And, and Rich talks about this all the time. You want to detach yourself from the bossy girlfriend. You want to detach yourself from your boss, which means you start your own business on the side and get to the point where you can quit your stupid corporate job. You want to detach yourself from your parents, particularly if a lot of you guys, your mom, and stop worrying about what your mom will think, especially if you are Asian or Indian. Your mom and your dad have a lot of control over you mentally, even in your 30s. You've got to learn to break away from these people. That doesn't mean you never talk to your parents. I love my parents. I have a great relation with my parents. But I don't give a crap what they want from my life. I don't care. I don't care. And I haven't for a long time. That's your job. And that's your duty, in my opinion, when you're under the age of 35, is to detach from these things so you can start building your infrastructure, just like Rich mentioned earlier. You can't do that if you're reliant on the boss at work, the bitchy girlfriend, mom, et cetera. You just can't. Unplugged, gentlemen. Mental point of origin. That's, yeah. that's what it all boils down to. Um, yeah. I'll drop your course in the chat again. This is only available for how long? I think you only have like a limited enrollment. This version is only available. We, it goes on sale in about two hours, 4 p.m. EST, and it's only oh, okay. available. This version is only available. Uh, what is it? March 16th, March 6th, so then we have 12 days and okay. then we're done. Got it. All right, guys, if you're interested, grab that. Let me just quickly do some uh, housekeeping and pay some bills here. I'm just gonna go solo layout for a sec. Stay around for a little bit longer for me, Caleb. Um, channel sponsor, I got a shout out to the guys over at the uh, Tactical Soap Company. 
Uh, sorry, it's Grondike Soap. Uh, so pinned in the top description, you can go to that uh, link and check out. You'll need to use coupon code Cooper with that link, or if you go to just coopersoap.com, as it is right here, uh, the link's already applied. So uh, you guys are showering anyway, or at least I hope you are. So want to grab something that supports the creation of content on the channel. It's pheromone infused. They also have an awesome beard oil that I use constantly. So check that out. Uh, Caleb, want to thank you for uh, hopping on and joining me today. It was uh, fun catching up. We did a um, we did a like a two hour private broadcast back in the fall for my men's community. So this wasn't on the channel for those of you guys that are watching. So it's a recording on my community. So if you guys are interested in the community aspect of what I broadcast on, there's a link there. It's just entrepreneursandcars.com forward slash community. Uh, you get access to a lot of exclusive content that is not watered down. <laughs> We're having some great details on that one, eh, Caleb? Yes, we did. <laughs> Things um, you can only get a detail about when it's not public like this, correct? Yeah, it's, yes. it's got to be structured that way. So mm -hmm. check that out. Um, we'll catch up again real soon, man. I wish you the best on your, uh, you know, the launch of your course. And um, we'll talk soon, yeah? Awesome. I love it. You guys are in the right place. Listen to Rich. He's right. Thank you.